0: Well, welcome to part two of our series, Reconstructing Jesus. What did Jesus teach? And through the series, we're leaning into and learning about Jesus, the questions that like, we ruminate on, that we have like, on our pillows late at night, the, the way that Jesus, like, how did he treat, treat uh, politics and power, especially in the world that he knew, and how do we do that today? Uh, what was the way that he lived? He embodied what he believed and taught, the historical record of his life that Jesus existed and that Jesus is Lord. And then today, what did he actually say? What is the compilation of his, like, best words, the body of his teaching that pre-Jesus did not exist and that post-Jesus, like, took over the world? So much so that we are here today, like, talking through it. Now, like Mike said, today is going to be the best sermon you've ever heard. The best sermon you've ever heard. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. If you have a phone out, you can uh, scroll over there. If you've never handled a Bible before, but maybe you brought one, or you're watching online or at any one of our locations, our sites, uh, the book of Matthew is like right in the middle of the Bible. It's the beginning of the New Testament, the New Covenant, this new way that Jesus taught. Uh, And it's like middle of the Bible, quick write, the book of Matthew, and then scroll to the number 5. While you're doing that, I'll mention at the end of this series, We wanna create room for dialogue. And so the last part of this series, the last Sunday in October will be all Q&A Sunday. And so pay attention to our socials. We're kind of updating uh, our process and planning as well as giving some teasers on the questions that have already come in. But do not be afraid. Send in those questions and we'll be taking the whole sermon time at the end of this month to just walk through what we're asking, what we're thinking, how we're still processing together as a community. And it's going to be really great. And if you are not yet part of a home church, maybe you've been on home church hiatus personally, maybe you've never been to a home church before, brothers and sisters, this is the week to jump in. And so all of our home churches are posted online. This would be a great week to turn this like monologue into dialogue to process alongside other brothers and sisters. Okay, okay. Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five. Now Jesus is telling um, the story uh, of like what it means to be fully embodied, fully human, and what it means to be fully human and loved by God. Now, if you remember from the summer, Matthew has a, a certain perspective, and we covered this a little bit last week, a certain perspective on like how to nuance his autobiography, his biography of Jesus. And so Matthew, throughout his writing, is telling the story of Jesus as the new Moses, Jesus as the new reconciler, the fulfillment of the law, and that Jesus giving the law to not the religious elite, to not the people who look like they have it all together, but to the broken, the marginalized, the hurting, the questioning, the doubting, the insecure, the poor, the impoverished, and the sick. Amazing, amazing. Jesus comes to give the law, to the people who need to hear it the most. Jesus comes to give it to the law to the people who need to hear it the most. So Jesus is the new Moses, the embodiment, the fulfillment of the law. And he's called his disciples. If you go through uh, the beginning parts, it gives a bit of a record of like how things started, how they were going. And then uh, when we arrive in chapter five, which most of us are familiar with, um, Jesus has got his crowds, his, his disciples, his earliest followers, and then the crowds that have gathered, they're following him, listening to him and talking with him. And he's on the outskirts of Capernaum. Now, Caper- this is an incredible um, nugget of information that Matthew's gospel includes. Now, if you've, if you've read the New Testament before, certainly for me, when I was early in like just reading the Bible, for some reason, I always thought like the Sermon on the Mountain of Beatitudes happened like... In Jerusalem, like in and near the the centerpiece, the holy city where God dwells, where the temple is, where um, you know the law is continuing to be expounded by these religious leaders. And in a brilliant move of of compassion, Jesus is nowhere near the temple. Jesus is nowhere near the city of God. He's also not in his hometown. He's moved and set up like a second home in the city of Capernaum, and that's for a region, a, a reason. It's north. It's about a hundred kilometers from the city of God, from Jerusalem. And Jesus takes his disciples and the crowds that have fall, uh, gathered there, uh, and he he sets up on a mountain or a hill. Uh, this hilltop that looks towards the Sea of Galilee. Now it's interesting, if you were to travel there in in Israel today, uh, this hill where they think this happened, it looks towards the Sea of Galilee. It looks towards the Sea of Galilee, which was a common place where Jesus taught and used illustration, um, uh, um, you know, storytelling to get the point across. And if you looked out over the Sea of Galilee, you would see that the Sea of Galilee then closes into the Jordan that leads towards the Red Sea or the Dead Seas. Brilliant, brilliant. And so Jesus, even by virtue of where he chooses to teach, it it is like if you were a Jewish boy or girl or man or woman gathered in this crowd, you'd be like, What this is like, this is the embodiment of like what our ancestors would have experienced in receiving the law. Like this is like our new Moses is here up on a mountainside, teaching a new way of being. So Jesus is far from the holy city, rural, separate, not where you would expect to hear from God. He takes his disciples, men and women. Men and women in the crowds that have gathered, not unlike what we're doing here today, and outside of Capernaum, he sits down on the side of this hill, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and starts teaching something way different. On this hill, he teaches a sermon, an exhortation, a way of teaching, a way of being, a sermon this new way of understanding who and how God is. And he really tackles a a bunch of ethical dilemmas that are so impactful for us today, but also uh, what it means to correctly interpret the law. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. That Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And then also how Jesus and his person is being, his teaching is, shows what it's like to live and to love according to God's will, to love God and to love one another. And so one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples, men and women gathered around him and he began to teach them saying this
1: god blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted god blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth god blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied god blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy god blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see god God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid every last penny. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes I will, or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says, the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect.
2: Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. When you give to someone in need don't do as the hypocrites do blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth they have received all the reward they will ever get but when you give to someone in need Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father who knows what you do in private and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body when your eye is healthy your whole body is filled with light and when your eye is unhealthy your whole body is filled with darkness and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love another. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows
3: and you won't be judged for you will be treated the very way that you treat others the standard that you use in judging is the same standard by which you will be judged and why are you worrying about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye how can you think of saying to your friend friend let me help you get rid of the lot of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then perhaps, perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I tell you, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls before the swine. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Listen, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone, everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open to them. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask. I tell you, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence, the very essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life? It is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few find it. I tell you, you must beware of false prophets who come, disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A healthy tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. So every tree Every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. I'm telling you, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Listen, not everyone who calls out to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who actually do my Father's will, they will enter. On judgment day, there will be many, many will call out to me and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name. And we, we performed many miracles in your name. But I tell you, I will reply to them. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I tell you, anyone, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, much like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come, and the torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, because it is built on a rock. But anyone who hears my words, hears my teachings, and doesn't obey it, he is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he taught with great
0: authority.